Well, we've been looking in the book of Ephesians, and we're going to um, wrap up the first half of Ephesians today. We're going to look in chapter 3. We will take a little break now over the sort of Christmas season and, and pick up the second half of Ephesians in the new year sometime. And uh, you, can, you can wait in anticipation for that. I mean, Ephesians is a kind of a book of two halves really anyway, so that the, it, with a sort of a natural break at the end of chapter 3. So we're going to read a bit of chapter 3 this morning. And, um, we'll, yeah, we'll start from verse 1 of chapter 3. If you've got one of these church Bibles, the blue Bibles, it's page 1174. And uh, Ephesians chapter 3, if you don't. <coughs> for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles... Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given, me, given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has been revealed by the Spirit to God's people, holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am the least of all of the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory." Okay. Now, I thought, actually, I don't know whether I've done this, but it'd be just, just briefly a good idea to talk about Paul, who wrote the letter to the Ephesian church. So if you don't know how all these things are put together in the Bible, there's many different books and different types of writing. And this letter that we're reading here is a letter, and it was written by a guy called Paul, who was writing to a church that he had started in a place called Ephesus, which is, is it in Turkey, Ephesus? I think it is. I should have done my homework. It is. People are nodding. Good, thank you. Um, And so Paul, who wrote this letter, before he wrote this letter, and and his upbringing was, he was what the Bible talks about as a Pharisee. He was was a Jewish um, sort of teacher, and he was a real Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was kind of like top of his game. He was the most Jewish of Jewish people, if you like. And if you know anything about Jewish people in that time, and possibly even now, they were very... We are Jews and we keep ourselves very separate and very pure and, and everybody else is different to us, was, was of, of his time. And now he knew his stuff, he knew his Bible, inside out and back to front. And he was a teacher of, of, the, of the, the Jewish scriptures. And when the church started, so after Jesus died and the church started up in various places... Actually, Paul was somebody who went out to go and destroy the church. He was persecuting the church. Um, he would no doubt have been arresting people, no doubt possibly torturing them and maybe even killing them. I don't, I don't know. Um, 
That was the, that was the kind of person he was. And then he had this radical conversion and God spoke to him on the road to Damascus. If you've ever heard the phrase, I had a Damascus road experience, it comes from this guy, Paul. And then, so after that, the destroyer of the church became, strangely, the builder of the church. This is how God works, because Paul then becomes a, a person that goes around the, literally around the world, starting churches all over the place. The one in Ephesus being one of them. And he says, I've been called to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. This would have been a completely bonkers, mind-changed thing for him because he was a Jewish person. He kept himself to himself in terms of being, we don't talk to the Gentiles, don't have anything to do with the Gentiles, like the Gentiles being the people who weren't Jews. And now God has turned his life around and said, you're going to go and preach to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. And so... That has been Paul's life, and this letter he wrote, he wrote for pri- in, in prison because he'd now been put in prison by the, the Romans, and uh, he was now sort of being, he himself was being persecuted for his faith. So that's a bit of background to Paul, and, the, and, and you may understand why I've given that in a minute. Because he mentions a lot in this uh, chapter the, the word mystery. Did you notice that? Mystery crops up. A lot of times, and I wonder whether we read the scriptures sometimes, we all think this is a bit of a mystery. I understand the word mystery because this is a mystery. Um, so let me just talk a little bit about the word mystery, actually. The, the word mystery here in the scripture doesn't mean, oh, it's a real mystery where I've put my keys. Or, a, a, you know, yes, yeah, a mystery is a whodunit. Or um, uh, maybe, like, it's a mystery what's at the bottom of the ocean because nobody really knows. Yeah, that kind of mystery. It's not a mystery so much like that. It's a mystery, in, in, in the scripture, a mystery is something where there has been a truth that has been hidden for some reason, for God's reason, for a period of time, and now God has revealed it. And he's, and he's brought it to light. And Paul is talking about this mystery, and he's had this mystery revealed to him, and he's still amazed about it to the fact that he keeps talking about it, even now. And he's marvelling at how God's story, which he thought he knew, bear in mind he's a Jewish teacher and he knew all his stuff, the, the story has taken a twist that he hadn't realised. And he's, this mystery has been awakened to him. And, and he suddenly thought, oh my goodness, God is writing his st- God's story a different way. And a good storyteller is like that, right? I'm reading a book with Abby at the moment, and it's called The Explorer. It's about some children who get lost in the rainforest in, in the Amazon, and they meet this man who's also kind of like a... He just lives in the jungle on his own. And, and the, the question is, are the children going to make it home, and is this man going to help them? That's, those are the kind of things that are going on. And so Abby said to me, just as I'm closing the book a, a couple of nights ago, she said, hmm... You know, there's real kind of like, you can see here, the cogs wearing. How's this story going to pan out? You know, is this man going to help them? Or are they going to go it alone? Or are they going to be stuck in the, in the jungle? You know, that, that, she's kind of working out the story. And, and that's the thing about a good story, isn't it? It's, it leaves you thinking, and then when uh, something, and then when something, an unexpected turn happens in the story, you're kind of like, oh, right, okay. Didn't expect that one because I'm going to guess that maybe none of those things <laughs> are going to pan out, and that the story will take a different direction because it's it's a good story, um, and that's good storytelling. And this is how God 
he keeps us transfixed with his word and his story. He's unfolding his story and there's an unexpected twist. And so Paul talks about this unexpected twist, this mystery, which he's already spoken about in chapter 2. And the mystery for him is that the Gentiles, the non-Jews, are now, through Jesus, part of the family of God's people. And that's such a mystery for him because he is a Jew of the Jews and up to him, he's been reading this story and knowing that God's people are the Jewish people and that's that and that's why we keep ourselves holy, that's why we keep ourselves separate and pure. And now he's got to get his head around the idea that actually God is saving the Gentiles and bringing them into relationship with him. Now that's one thing. Okay. But now he's also not only just saving the Gentiles, he's bringing the Gentiles into the same family as the Jews. Now that may not be like a big deal for us, but it was a big deal for him. He was just, this is a huge mystery. It's brought him into one family. And, you know, I wonder whether that would have been a struggle for Paul. Because he probably could have thought, yeah, okay, God, you can do what you want with that lot out there. As long as it doesn't have to involve us lot in here, you know. Yeah, great, do some good work out there, but, but you know, don't, don't bring them in here. But actually, Paul is going, this is unbelievable. He's saving the Gentiles and bringing them into this family, and now we're one. So you get the sense as you're reading this, that Paul, even though this is revelation, this mystery was unveiled to him quite a few years ago, he's still kind of going... This is crazy. Yeah? This, is, this is amazing. This is bonkers. This is bamboozling. Bigger than his brain can take in. Would have changed his world. And this big part of this story is actually that Paul finds himself part of the story. The big sort of surprise to him is he finds himself part of the story. He's, he's found himself, having been a destroyer of the church, as I mentioned earlier, he's now found himself becoming now a foundational one of the foundational builders of the early church. And so the gospel for Paul isn't something that just has happened to him. If you notice, it's happening through him. Do you see that? You know, so Paul has been changed by the gospel. His, his life has been rescued from darkness to light. But within that, then God is using Paul to bring light into the darkness. Yeah? So the gospel is working in him, but also the gospel is working through him. Does that make sense? Yeah, And so, um, if you look in verse 2, it says, Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. Yeah? The grace of God was given to him for the church. So, the gospel story isn't just a story that Paul heard about, thinking, wow, that's an amazing story. This is just, wow, this, this has changed the way I think about God. Yes, but also this story now, God has said to Paul, right, I've got you now, and now I'm bringing you into this drama. You're not just going to watch it from the, you know, like you're watching a TV program or a film. I'm going to bring you into the drama. You're on stage now, and you're playing your part in this story. And Paul says at the beginning, he says, surely you've heard about, surely you've heard about my story. You know, in another translation, he says, I assume you've heard of my story. (laughs) And maybe these, these people in the Ephesian church, they would have heard it. But maybe it was a bit presumptuous. Maybe, he, maybe they hadn't heard it. And that's why I just wanted to give you a bit of background before we read this. Um, but then he goes on, he, he starts to talk about it in verse 7. He says, I, I, I've become a servant of the gospel, a minister of the gospel. 
He's entered into this drama. How has he become a servant? How? By the working of God's grace. It's not, and his God's power. It's not his doing. And Paul says in verse 8, even though I'm the least of all the saints. So Paul counts himself as the least of God's people. Grace was given to me, he says, to preach to the Gentiles about the boundless riches of Christ, (coughs) to make the mystery plain that the Jews and the Gentiles are now joined as one and have free access to God. So Paul sees himself as the least. Get this. What do we think in the church? Paul is probably, apart from Jesus, in the New Testament, who's Paul? He's probably up there, right? He's like, he's Mr. Big. But Paul sees himself as the least. He had a low opinion of himself. Now, there are two types of low opinion of ourselves. There's a good one and a bad one. I think many people have a low opinion of themselves, which is low self-esteem. And they're kind of, oh, I'm just little mean. And it's pretty draining. It's pretty paralyzing because they don't think anything of themselves and they can't do anything. And they think, oh, okay. This is not this. All right, this is a godly humility that recognizes that actually in my emptiness, God can work. And God does work. All right? And, and I think if we, if we have a low self-esteem of ourselves, you're in a good place in one way. Because if you're empty, God can use you. If you are full of yourself, he can't. If it's all about me, Richard, if we had had this sort of on the front of the church, we say the King's Church, actually, and then in brackets. No, actually, we put the Richard's Church in brackets, small, small font, the King's Church. Then it's all about me. We're not going to get very far. But we put in big letters, don't we? The King's Church. And I, um, I empty myself every day, I hope, that he may fill me to use me. That's the way we should live. And if we do that, then great things can happen. Um, yeah, and even so, Paul talks about his sufferings later on in verse 13. He says, even, even these sufferings are part of the story. Even when I've got to my lowest, these are part of the story. Don't be discouraged by when I'm suffering, he says, because actually this is for your glory. So there's a summary here of Paul's interaction with the gospel. Paul has been transformed by God and now he's being used by God and so he's become part of the story and it got me thinking about how the gospel of Jesus worked in me in my story I just want to tell you a bit of my story I, my interaction with the gospel my part in the drama and I could say to you I assume you've heard of my story I mean I've been here 15 years now surely you've heard my story um, it's not my story it's how God has worked his story in me um, and if not, I'm just going to share a little bit of that with you. Is that okay? Just because I, I wonder whether, I don't know how well you know it. Yeah, Keith's known me a long time. I don't know whether he knows all of these things. Well, that's what I'm going to tell you, Keith. Um, so you may know I was brought up in a, a, a family, a very stable family in Ashford. And we went to church pretty much every week. We went to a very <coughs> traditional church. Um, I can remember sitting there with my book, <laughs> reading while everything else was going on. I remember a guy every week would get up and sing a psalm. And it, he didn't have a great voice, bless him. But each week they would sing a psalm. And, yeah, it was a... I don't know whether it was the most dynamic thing, uh, my, my early church life. But um, through a process of 
well, God, God instance, let's call it. Um, my mum and dad decided that the best school for me to go to was Bishop Wand in Sunbury, um, uh, which is a Church of England school. And I know uh, Graham and Sheila obviously have connections there as well with their children. And, um, and it was there in the, in, the, in the second, no, the third year, well, the second year I was there. Um, the, this is an amazing place, okay? They, they would take all the children off to this place in Wales called the Christian Mountain Centre. And the Christian Mountain Centre, you go and do things like climbing and canoeing and all those kind of things in the day. And in the evening, for a whole week, the centre workers would just preach the gospel to the kids. <laughs> just like, unashamedly, preach the gospel. And, and I can remember... Um, one night towards the end of the week, there was this discussion. It was one of those kind of after one, no doubt, one that they say, you know, have you give your life to the Lord kind of evenings. Uh, that in our, my dormitory, which probably had about 10 boys in it, there was this discussion going on. So, what do you think about this, you know, this Christianity lark kind of thing? And one by one, people were sort of saying, yeah. Yeah, I think it's true. You know, it's going around the room. And so it was left to, you know, like, I don't know whether I was last, but it was kind of like, okay, are we going to go for this? And I thought to myself, this is my level of faith at the time. I thought, well, if they're right, then if I believe in Jesus when I die, I'll go to heaven kind of thing. Um, If they're right, I'm going to, yeah, okay, I can believe that. If they're wrong, what have I got to lose? If they're wrong, I just die the same as I was going to die anyway. But if they're right, and I believe them, then I've got everything to gain. And if I believe them and they're wrong, I'm still in the same position. So I don't really have anything... It was my logic working out. Does that make sense? I just kind of thought, well, nothing really to lose on this. I'm just going to give it a go. <laughs> and, and, yeah, like I say, a number of my... In fact, it seemed like the whole room were giving their life to the Lord that moment. And actually, just to say, two of my best friends went on to be vicars... Another friend married a pastor in an FIC church. Another guy was a missionary uh, in my year group. I mean, these, like, in my year group, loads of people went on to do... Yeah, it's just bonkers. It's really bonkers. Anyway, so I kind of pootled along and, and uh, you know, I came to... I definitely had faith and I definitely knew salvation. Um, and that was that. And then I went to university. So, so I'm, I'm, I brought up an Anglican, okay? Anglican. Um... <laughs> And then I went to university, and through different circumstances, I got in with a, a rowdy bunch of Christians from a Pentecostal church. And it was there that I really found the power of the Holy Spirit. It was there where people were giving words of knowledge about people and saying, yeah, you've been electrocuted, and oh, and, and we were seeing people getting healed, and people were just being transformed in a radical way. Um, I think my, my first experience was a gentle conversion, if you like, and now this was just kind of like... This was the power of God at work. And, and I found, um, yeah, so I got in with this Pentecostal church called Bridgeway, where I learned an awful lot. And all along that, I'm training to be a musician, right? This is my qualification. I'm a, I'm a, a, a trained musician. I got quite good at that. Um, I do have a qualification in theology, which is GCSE Religious Studies. <laughs> yes, I got an A, thanks to Bishop Wan's teaching. Um, and I look back now, and as I was reading this, you know, Paul says, um, you've heard of the, g- the grace that God has given me for you. And I think to myself, I've been on a journey of God's grace over many years, and he's given me grace for me, but he's also given me grace for you. 
this church. I've been here 15 years now. Um, and I've been on this journey where, like I said in my childhood, I knew this idea of, of faithful attendant, church attendance, <laughs> of, of liturgy, and if I'm honest, religiosity as well. I, I, I learned from that. Then I, I got to school and I understood salvation by faith, something that we would hold very dear in, in this church and say that we are saved by faith, not by the things that we do and not the things that we we say that make us look good, but by saying, God, I trust you and I believe you and you died for my sins and now I know I'm, I'm forgiven and I'm yours. And, and I've learned that at school. And then, I, as I say, I found the power of the Holy Spirit in my church in London, in Bridgeway. And then I've come here. And do you know what? I think, I mean, I've learned so much here. You've helped me learn. Over many years, I've learned what community is. I've learned what family is in the church. I've learned about justice and about um, a heart for the poor. And I've learned about the kingdom of heaven come to earth. I've learned about things being newly created and transformed. And just like Paul, he's probably scratching his head and thinking, why on earth have I been chosen to preach the Gentiles? I'm thinking to myself, why on earth is a musician? This is my qualification. Again, I want to just emphasize this. I'm really good at that. And this is my strength. If I'm going to say, what you could say to me, what was your strength? I'd say it was music. But I'm not trained to be a pastor. But where I'm empty, God has used and brought grace to me for the church. I'm not boasting about that. I'm just saying what God has done. Okay, this is not me. I'm saying this is really not me. And Paul demonstrates, doesn't he? He uses unlikely people. Unlikely people like me, unlikely people like you. Um, he's transformed me and used me to be who I am in this church. And so I'm, I'm th- I've been thinking back, you know, Paul probably could think, oh, now I know why I know this a bit in the Old Testament. Now I can teach it, this to the Gentiles. But I'm just thinking, same for me, you know, if you look on my CD shelf, did I mention I'm a musician? Um, you'll find a very eclectic mix of music. You know, some people are into jazz. I'm into jazz. Some people are into classical music. I'm into classical music. Some people are into Bulgarian folk singing. I'm into Bulgarian folk singing. I'm into African sort of um, Latin. You, I've got it a quite a broad selection, and I'm thinking, well, this is interesting because this is just the type of person I am. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but I like to pinch bits of different church traditions as well. So I like to bring a bit of Pentecostal this, and a bit of Celtic this, and a bit of Anglican that, and a a bit of FIEC, this even, and a bit, a bit of Baptist, that, you know. And the reason is because I want us to grow, and I want, I want to grow, and I want us to grow as, as a church, to be a church. And I, I don't mind. And I want to be, as a musician, I like having those influences. As a, as a teacher, I'd like us to know these things so that we grow as church. That makes sense? Um, I have a desire, when, when I was young, somebody asked me, just as kind of was leaving school, I said, what do you want to do? And I said, I just want to better speak to people through my music. Lovely. It's a bit pretentious and arty, but that's the way it was. <laughs> and God has taken that desire and used it to speak to people through my preaching. I can remember I was, um, there was a time uh, in between when I was at university when I would come home I kind of got a little bit frustrated with my traditional Anglican church and I would go and find other churches to go to in the holidays. And one of them was Witten Vineyard. I don't know if you've ever visited Witten Vineyard. Um, and, and they were just experiencing a moment of real growth. And so there were lots of visitors at the time. So I wasn't 
Anyway, so they were praying for me. And this guy, I was, and at the time I was doing a study in lip fatigue in brass playing. That's how nerdy I was. I was looking at the muscular lip fatigue in a brass player's lips as they played. <laughs> yep, that's the kind of thing I did. Everyone's like, whoa. <laughs> and the guy praying for me at the time was praying. He said, and, and now in his mind, he's praying that I would be a preacher. He said, and, and he didn't know anything about me. He said, anoint this guy's, and he didn't say mouth or words, he said lips. It really made me chuckle because I'm thinking, I'm really struggling with lips at the moment. Anyway, my, my lips were anointed. There was a double meaning to that prayer. He didn't know at the time. I was laughing my head off, literally. I did explain to him afterwards. But God has anointed my lips. Not for me, but for others, right? He's given me a heart to shepherd people. I really am an introverted pe- person. I'm a, Daniel and I talk about this Daniel's not very well today but he, he likes his own space I like my own space give me an option I'd like to be shut in a practice room and play my tuba or out on the road on my bike on my own just I like that but God somehow has given me a heart for people to shepherd people and my desire is that we all grow and move forward and grow closer to God that's something God's done in me I'm, I'm not prone to speaking about myself by the way I'm just Telling you that this is what God has done in me, just as Paul has done these. What God, God has done in Paul's life, it's what Jesus has done. And I just want to tell you as well. I mean, Paul talks about his struggles, but I want you to know too that the struggles you've witnessed and stood with us over many years in our family, and you know, you know what I'm talking about. God uses those for His glory, for our glory, in the church. And so that's how the gospel, the gospel worked in Paul, but also the gospel worked through Paul, right? The gospel has worked in me, but it's also working through me. Now, we're not all Paul and we're not all called to be pastors, but I want you to be aware that this is Jesus. And he works in you, but he also works through you. And you might be already thinking, ah, but I'm just little old me. Anyone feeling that? God can't use me. I'm just, just me. Well, if you are thinking that, then you're the perfect kind of person because Paul was just the least of God's people. And we all have a part in revealing the mystery of God. And did you know that? Did you know what that is? That grace has been given to me and grace has been given to you Grace has been given to me for me, but also grace has been given to me for you, for the church. Grace has been given to you for the people around you. You have a part to play. You are part of the drama. You're part of the story. And so I want you to start thinking, well, how... I had to do some reflecting on this myself. How has grace worked in you to, 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 to work, you know, in, in the church around you? Um, think to yourself, who do you love now that you would or could not have loved before? Because if you can answer that question, then you know that God is working in you and he's working through you. What kind of truth can you declare now that you couldn't before? It's interesting, you know, last week when Ruth was speaking about the people in in Turkey and and Iran who are getting converted as teenagers and almost immediately they're speaking and preaching the word of, of truth. They hear a word of truth and they start speaking it. Why does God speak to us truth? So that we would know it, but also that we can then declare it. So think to yourself, what truth do I know now that I didn't know before? 
What hope can I share now that I couldn't have shared before? We live in a hopeless time and a hopeless generation, but in Christ we have hope, yes? What transformation can happen now that before I just had no hope of transforming? What prayers can I pray now that I couldn't pray before? What encouragement can I bring that I couldn't bring before? What service can I offer? What healing can I bring? What forgiveness can I offer? What peace can I bring? What mercy can I show? What comfort can I bring? God has given grace to us for the benefit of those around us in the church, but I also believe in our community and our world. And I was going to finish up now, but I was just thinking, I don't know quite how to wrap this up, and then I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and I thought, okay, I'm going to go with this. This guy said, I don't know how you would sum up the Bible in one sentence, or even one word. I'll leave you to think about that. That's quite a big one, right? But he said, I think if I could sum it up in one phrase, it's new creation. The Bible starts with creation, it ends with new creation. All the way through, it's how God takes the old and renews it. That's salvation. We sang it this morning. Even though we are perishing on the outward, we are being renewed daily, inwardly. That's the work of God. And so this guy said on the podcast, he said, so we are to be new creation makers in this world. It may be a new idea. It may be that your, your company or who you work for just needs a new way of doing something and you are the person to bring it into to being. It may be that your, your community, your, your neighbourhood, your, your neighbours need just a new, a new way of doing things together and you're the person to do that. It may be that your family needs to think about how, needs a new way of being together. And, and that the arguing needs to stop and you need to be a peacemaker and to bring a new way in of doing things. There's all kinds of ways that we can be new creation people. Does that make sense? And the reason is, we come back to what Paul says, that God has given me grace for you. Because I can't do that kind of stuff on my own. I can't be a... If you said to me 15 years ago, can you be a pastor? I was like, no, I can play the tuba. Or maybe play a bit of piano if you want, or I could teach your kids to play the trumpet or something like that. Can you be a pastor? No, I can't. And then, a lot of time, I still, in fact, I nearly always still say that. I can't do this. I was having a conversation with Joe a while back about this. It's just how I feel inadequate. But it is God who does this in and through me, right? And in the same way, He does it through us. But it may be, it's not going to be in the same way as me, it's going to be in different ways. But God has given each one of us grace. For those around us. Anyone struggle with that? I'm just wondering. No. Yeah, we, we, okay. Well, I think we need to pray now because that is going to be the struggle, isn't it? So let's pray. Father, we thank you for Paul and what you did through him. We look at Paul, and other than Jesus in the New Testament, we think maybe Paul, Peter, and a, and a few others, we just think, wow, look at these guys. Look at these amazing guys. But let's just wind back the clock and see how Paul was a destroyer of the church. Lord, remind us of that. Let's look at Peter and how just a, a bumbling kind of fool he was a lot of the time. But yet you used Peter and Paul empty. You filled them and you gave them grace. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the benefit that we have through Paul, Peter and other apostles and disciples in the early church. 
But I pray right now for each one of us here that we would know that grace has been given to us through Jesus Christ for us, but also for those around us. And I pray each one here would know that they have a, per- a place and a purpose and a position to, to play in this church and in the world around them, whether it be their family, their, their neighbours, their friends, their community, their workplace. Let them know that grace has been given to do things that otherwise would be impossible. I thank you that you gave Paul grace enough that he could preach to Gentiles, those that he would have despised before he found love for and was able to preach to them to see Christ in them. And if you can do that in Paul, do that in us. Give us grace to do things that are beyond our abilities in ourselves, to bring new creation transformation in the world around us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.